what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ. Today is the most important celebration of the Christian faith today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. It is the most significant celebration of the Christian calendar, and it really is the most significant historical event. Not only in the Bible, but in many other references to history, there is a declaration of Christ rising from the dead. And today we're celebrating that, and it's, it's like I shared last week as we talked about Palm Sunday and the significance of Palm Sunday. If we as Christians, as, if we forget Easter, the world will forget Easter as well. I was even talking with Teresa uh, Sutherland just before service, and she shared with me how she had these really neat He Has Risen things for people's homes, and literally people are not buying those things hardly anymore. Isn't that sad? My wife shared with me this week that even in her planner, she has a planner where she writes her schedule in, that planner is absence, absent of holiday Easter. In the calendar, her calendar, it does not have Easter on the calendar. Can you believe that? Crazy. Don't buy a calendar without Easter. Revolt! <laughs> but it's crazy. If we take Easter off the calendar, it's going to affect a whole lot more than uh, uh, the calendar. It's going to affect our very lives. Can I have a witness on that? But last week I challenged us to make Holy Week holy. And I heard so many testimonies this week about how families were doing different things with Holy Week and, and celebrating it. I was really excited. Several of our connect groups, uh, did one did a foot washing service and then had communion. Another one watched the Passion and then they had communion. Many of us gathered at First Baptist Church on Friday. It was really exciting. We had a good turnout from New Covenant. Thank you guys. That was awesome. Matter of fact, First Baptist thought that, uh, I heard one of the ladies behind me, she goes, who are all these new people? And she goes, I think it's New Covenant. And another guy from First Baptist says, man, I think you guys outnumber us. <laughs> but we did it in the chapel on Friday, and we celebrated with our church family at First Baptist as well. And it was powerful. It was good. It was really neat to see uh, just us together in worship. So I hope that you've been making this week a holy Week. And really what the word holy means is to be set apart, to sanctify, to set it apart. And that's what this week we should have been doing. And if you haven't, I get it. We want to start building memorial stones in our families when it comes to Easter. And then I do have another powerful testimony that uh, Troy Dilly, he texted me this week. Troy, where are you? Just wave so everybody knows you. Back there, everybody look at Troy. I want you to know who he is. I'm so proud of him. See that guy on there? He's our drummer one of our drummers, and we love him, and I really enjoy watching him up there. We were praying before service, and he was getting on the drums. It was really good. So Troy shared this with me this week, and it was a powerful testimony, and it, it revolves around this whole issue of forgetting Easter. And uh, Troy, he works for a large excavating and heavy equipment uh, contractor in Indianapolis. And matter of fact, they were a customer of mine when I was in, when I used to be in construction and, and uh, a uh, estimator. And they do a lot of different things that company does. And they're very, very large. And they're a union shop. And so every year they review their, their holidays 
of what they're going to celebrate, and they put it on the calendar. And so uh, this is the text that uh, Troy sent me, and I'm going to read it verbatim concerning Easter holiday and their time off. He said, hey, brother, I just wanted to share something about what transpired at work this week concerning our time off for Easter weekend. All plants in our district have totally erased Good Friday, Saturday, and Easter from their set holiday time off. I'm going to read it again. All plants in our district have totally erased Good Friday. They've totally erased Saturday. They've totally erased Easter. For the set holidays, we're going to get paid time off. Instead, they have added a day onto the 4th of July because we couldn't watch the fireworks with our families because we have to get up at 3 a.m. in order to go to work. So they all voted for the 5th day of July off to have the 4th and the 5th together so that we can watch fireworks. That's cool. I'm glad that. When the union came to our plant, they brought this issue up and almost everyone was for it but three of us. They wanted the fifth off for the fireworks, LOL. But I spoke up. Everybody said, I spoke up. But I spoke up. But I spoke up. And I told them exactly what you said this morning in your message. Boys, if we ignore Easter and Good Friday and what it stands for, we're going to lose a whole lot more in our personal lives. We need this weekend off with our families to celebrate what has been done for us. Of course they grumbled, but we kept our Easter weekend off. We kept our Easter weekend off. Praise God, I love you, brother. Praise you, God. Thank you, God, for Troy speaking up. Christ's resurrection is the most important, powerful aspect of our Christian faith. Can I have an amen on on that? It is a historical event that we must celebrate as Christians and we must not minimize. Can I have an amen on that? We cannot minimize Easter. Yes, we celebrate it every week. We celebrate it every week. We worship the Lord and His resurrection every week. But we've got to make milestones. We've got to make these memorial stones in our families. Tonight, we're watching The Passion. We've decided as a family, tonight, we're going to watch it tonight. And it's, it's, it's a powerful movie, but we've got to make these memorial stones. And so I'm going to get into scriptures today about the resurrection. Today, the word of God is going to preach to you, not Eric Haler. It is, we're going to do a lot of reading today, and so it's going to be good. But we're going to talk about, and we're going to look at the story of the resurrection, because we have got to be theologically sound when it comes to the resurrection of our Christ. Amen? And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If Christ did not raise from the dead, your faith, what you're believing today, is futile. It's all a hoax. If the fact that Jesus did not raise from the dead, it means you're still in your sins. It means that it... It, you, what, you're, what we're here today celebrating is not real. 
It's that simple. If Christ is still dead, then he cannot be our Savior. Do you guys realize that? If he's still dead, he can't be your Savior. He didn't save you from nothing. He would not be the Son of God if he did not raise from the dead. He would be a liar if he did not raise from the dead. He would have died just like all men die and become dust if he did not raise from the dead. More than that, heaven's doors are still locked if he did not raise from the dead. Hell still has control over this planet if that's true. God's plan of redemption then remains unfulfilled if Jesus did not rise from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. And our faith is being attacked. And even in our own culture, even here, many of you have, are, are, are being attacked in your own life and, and the trials in your own life makes you question your faith. But today we're going to re-up our faith. We're going to re-talk about what we believe, amen, in the resurrection of Christ. So if Christ is risen, as scriptures teach us, and as hundreds of witnesses testified, then we have the ultimate hope for humanity, don't we? If he did rise, then we have the ultimate hope to give culture, to give our society, that there is hope beyond the grave. That you just don't die and become worm, worm food. So, if Christ is risen, as the scriptures say, and I might point out also, not just that scripture points it out, but there were many witnesses who witnessed the resurrection of Christ. Christ, when he raised from the dead, he stuck around for 40 days, guys. He stuck around for 40 days, and there were hundreds of people who seen him, talked to him, saw the scars in his hands. And it is not just in the Bible as well. There are, there are, there are other books that talk about his resurrection. And because of this resurrection, we have great hope of we get a new life in Christ. Can I have an amen on that? But resurrections, I mean, there are about 10 resurrections in the Bible. There's several in the Old Testament and there's several in the New Testament. Resurrections from the dead did happen. Elijah did one. Elisha did two. Actually, he did one and then his bones did the other. When the guy was dead and he fell on Elisha's bones, the dude came alive because he fell on the anointing. He fell on the anointing of the bones. And then Jesus had four of them, but he was the fifth. But the fourth one that he had was really more than just one because when he was on the cross of Calvary and, and it went dark at noon. Okay, can you imagine at noon, 12 o'clock, everything goes black. The sun quits shining from noon to 3 p.m. Today, imagine leaving this service at noon. Good luck at noon. We'll try to get out of here by noon. We're known to go over just a little bit. But just imagine at noon we walked out of here and you walked out and it was black. And for three hours it's black as Jesus is on the cross. And the earth begins to shake. And the Bible says that many holy people 
their graves were opened up and they raised from the dead and they began walking in Jerusalem. I think I might pee my pants. Imagine the day of, of his, resur- or his death, uh, a bunch of people raising from the dead, declaring something that's going to happen even to him. So we are kind of fascinated. We are really fascinated to, about resurrections. This is the historian Josephus, who was not a Christian. Here's what he said in his history book. Josephus's history book. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he brought surprising feats. He was the Christ. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared restored to life, and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. The tribe. Hey, guys, call yourself a tribe today. The tribe of Christians did not disappear. The resurrection is recorded in history for all to know. And you know what? What's beautiful about the testimonies of the 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, none of those people who saw him for 40 days Not one of them recanted their testimony. Not one of them under the pressure of life or death recanted. None of them said, nope, it's not true. He didn't raise from the dead. Under pressure. Many of these people lost their lives. Some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were boiled in oil. Some of them took horrible deaths and they were trying to get them to deny Christ and his resurrection and none recanted their testimony our God our Lord resurrected from the dead today that's why we're celebrating amen why is it that our world is so infatuated with uh, dead raising it really is do you realize our culture teenagers you're gonna have to help me today teenagers you're gonna have to help me I mean Zombie apocalypse. I mean, Call of Duty has a zombie apocalypse. The, the do- zombies coming alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the other shows that are on TV about The Walking Dead? Uh-huh. What are about The Walking Dead? Anybody seen that show? Dear God, it scares me every time. I would never watch it. World War Z. Now, here's what happened to my family. We thought that movie was about something else. And we go to the theater to watch it. We walked out of the theater. I could not believe what it was about. Had no clue. I thought it was about an epidemic of a flu thing. And wow, was that a surprise. The Walking Dead. How about Zombieland? I mean... (laughs) Hunger Games and even the Divergent series has to do with, I know it's not about zombies, but it has to do with the apocalypse. It has to do with this thing about the end of the world. That's really what it's about. Even zombies is about the end of the world. And that you've got to save the world from this catastrophe, right? 
And so teenagers are, are really interested in the supernatural. Well, we've got the supernatural. We've got the supernatural one. Amen. The word apocalypse literally in the word means a prophetic revelation, especially a cataclysm in which the forces of good permanently triumph over evil, which is the battle of Armageddon when Christ will come and he will permanently put evil down. That day will come. And again, I mentioned it last week, man, there will come a day. Hear me, church. Get on board with me. There will come a day when this Jesus Christ, who, who is resurrected and now is in heaven, he will come from heaven and he will split the eastern sky and he will come riding on a white horse and, he will de- and there will be a name written on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he will come in with a vengeance and he will destroy the kingdom of darkness completely for final good. But evil is rampant right now. I realize that. And we, the people of God, the, the world is looking for the people of God to rise up and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth so that they see a demonstration of God's kingdom here. They don't see hypocrisy. They don't see foolishness. They actually see that there's a difference between God's people and the world. And we are working on that because you know what? Sometimes we look like the world. Sometimes we look like the world because we haven't really tapped into the power of the resurrection. We haven't really tapped into the power that has been given to us. The word says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and it shall quicken your mortal body and you shall rise up and be a warrior for him. But sometimes we don't tap into this power because we get apathetic. We go through life and we get so used to just living and surviving, living and surviving versus thriving in the power of his resurrection. And I'm saying we have power in his resurrection. We have power today. And if there's areas of your life where you're not experiencing the power, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your strongholds, in your sin, whether it's in your business, whether it's whatever, there is a power of God that wants to be manifest in and through us. Can I have an amen on that? So praise God. There is a raising of the dead of not just Jesus, but a raising of the dead of the body of Christ. And I think some of you here, maybe you've not been coming to church very often, and I get that because of trials and all kinds of things in your life. Well, I say, come home. I say, get re-equipped by the Lord and get refreshed by Him by coming to church and by letting God be God and His resurrection power. So what we're going to go today, we're going to do a lot of reading, and we're going to talk about our dead raising. Everybody said dead raising. Our own dead raising, right? And so if you have your Bibles or you have a smart device, we're going to go to uh, uh, John chapter 19 and 20, and we're going to do a lot of reading. Everybody say reading. reading. Say, I love reading. I love, I love the Word of God. Absolutely. So we're going to go there today, and we're going to look at the account of Jesus' resurrection out of the Gospel of John. And as I, as I, as I get ready to look at the resurrection story i want to back up just a little bit to john chapter 19 at the very end of john 19 so if you got your bibles you can go there to john 19 verses 38 through 42 and then from there we'll jump to to john chapter 20. the guys are going to help me uh, advance this because there is a lot of reading here but here's where we're going to start is out of john 19. Because there's some significance. I'm going to John 19 for context, okay? 
I'm going there to set a stage for us to understand something because we're going to, we're going to address our believing today. Our believing in the resurrection of Christ. Our reminding ourselves of the resurrection of Christ. But also, I'm going, to t- I'm going to really land on our believing. And so, out of John 19, verses 38, this passage gives us some context for the resurrection. And this is the burial of Jesus. So, everybody there? Okay, later. Everybody say later. later. Okay, what does later mean? Later. In the Greek, it means later, right? No, later. Now, just to set a little context, guys, it's Friday. Everybody say Friday. Friday. But we're on Sunday. So he got killed on Friday, right? So a little bit Friday. So later is important. That's there for a reason, because Friday was the day of preparation. These guys, the Jewish people, should have been preparing for Passover that was going to take place the next day. Because it was a special Sabbath. And it was a special Sabbath, and they had to do a lot of preparation for the special Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, you can't do what? You can't work. You can't cook. You can't go to work. So all your food had to be prepared on Friday. All that you were going to eat, all that you were going to do on Saturday had to be taken care of on Friday, the day of preparation. And it was late on Friday when Jesus died. It was also unlawful for them to take a dead body and touch them on a Sabbath. So they had to get Jesus off the cross. And it was later. Because we know from 12 to 3 o'clock, the sky turned dark, okay? And so now we know it's probably in, because you know what dusk is? Dusk, they couldn't, uh, the Sabbath started at dusk. So this would have been around 7.30 p.m. I looked it up. I went online, dusk in Israel, 7.30 p.m.-ish. So they had, whenever he died, we know it was close to 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon-ish. They had to get him off the cross, and there was a lot going on. Are you guys with me? And so we have... Joseph of Arimathea, he is going to be the one who does this. And so it's later, and it's getting close to things being shut down because dusk is coming. Does that make sense? Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate, who was Pilate? Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea, and he was under the emperor. So he is a Roman governor. He is not Jewish. He is not a part. He's the one that helped crucify Christ, right? Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Everybody say 75 pounds. Dang, imagine your body getting, uh, uh, what do you call that, embalmed with 75 pounds of stuff. It might take a while. So Joseph and Nicodemus are are pressed for time. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation for the special Passover, which again was around 730, 
And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So that account right there. But here's where I want to go today. As we move to the resurrection of Christ, who was Joseph of Arimathea and who was Nicodemus? Who were these guys? It's important to know who they are because it points to something that's very significant about the resurrection. So who were they? I'm going to briefly tell you. Are you guys want something me to tell you? I'm going to... So we know he came from Ju the Judean area, which is about uh, the, the town of Arimathea, which is about eight miles from Jerusalem. In Luke 23, 50, we learn that he was a Pharisee. And he was actually a part of the council or the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was 70 elders who are over the Jewish Judu Judaism, which is their, their faith. There were 70 of them, and there was the 71st one, which was the chief priest. You've heard of the chief priest? So these were the, the scribes, the Pharisees, this, this Sanhedrin. This was a collection of Sadducees, and it was a collection of Pharisees. It's almost like Republican and Democrat, except they were religious, and our Republicans and Democrats don't seem to be very religious these days. <laughs> but we won't go there. So there was two parties, and the Sadducees was the larger party, and the Sadducees were, or the Pharisees were the smaller party. And Joseph is a part of that group. Does that make any sense there? And this was the group, the religious group, that called for the crucifixion of our Lord. The very group he's a part of has called for the crucifixion of our Lord. Okay, remember that. So Joseph was a Pharisee. However, if we read in, uh, in Luke 25, verse 51, we see that Joseph was opposed to the council's decision to crucify Christ. He was, in fact, a secret follower of Jesus, and he was secretly following Jesus. Why do you think he was secretly following Jesus? Huh? Scared to death. Because if these other 68 men find out he's a follower of Jesus, do you think they're going to keep him on the council? No, they're not going to keep him on the council. And so it is, Joseph took a great risk. Joseph took a great risk to himself, his position, and his reputation when he went to the governor of Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. So imagine him going. He's trying to hide his faith in Jesus Christ because he's afraid to get killed, just like everything. Where were the disciples? They were also afraid, weren't they? They were in the upper room, had the doors locked, shaking in their shoes. So who was Nicodemus? In John 3, we'll go there real quickly. John 3, and in John 3, we find out, oh, wow, he's a Pharisee too. Woohoo! Now we got two of the 70 that are quickly becoming radicalized by Jesus. 
And so now we look in this one and we see now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one performs the signs you are going, doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I say, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And here we know the story. Nicodemus says, what? How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with the one born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, how can this be? Nicodemus is seeking God. Nicodemus has come to him at night because he's afraid also. And he has come to Jesus at night and is asking these questions. Nicodemus is in the process of getting born again. Do you hear me? He is seeking God. He is a Pharisee who is seeking God. We're going to go on a little bit. And Jesus kind of challenges him. He said, you're a leader. You're, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I mean, here we are. The, 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 the Sanhedrin was responsible in teaching Judaism. They would literally take young boys and young girls, and they would teach them the way of Judaism. That was their responsibility, to teach the Torah, to teach the Word of God, to put into the life of the church the principles of God's Word. That's who these Pharisees are, guys. Do you understand the significance of who these guys are? And Jesus challenged him, you don't even know what I'm saying. He said, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak about heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, me, Jesus, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Amen. Then he says, and this is where Jesus then goes into the scripture that everybody pretty much knows. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that it might be saved through him, right? And so Nicodemus, this Pharisee, is being taught by Christ at night because he's scared to death. Fear of man's all over him. And unbeknownst to Joseph and Nicodemus, both Pharisees, both of the council, both a part of the Sanhedrin, both a part of the religious head of the church in Jerusalem. And they have no clue that their choice to put Jesus in Joseph's tomb fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy out of Isaiah 53. And now prophecy was being fulfilled by Nicodemus and by uh, Joseph. And the scripture out of Isaiah 53 says this. Hundreds of years before, that's what I love about prophecy. Prophecy foretells about what's going to take place. This is what Isaiah prophesied. He, Jesus, was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This is the one of the many prophecies that Jesus 
was the Messiah and that he was going to die and raise from the dead. And so here we have on John chapter 20, and, I, and here's where, again, I would encourage you. I took one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them have a, a different eyes on the resurrection. And there's many different um, uh, revelations you can get. And I really encourage you to read all four because it's very, very powerful. But let's read together. If you will, follow with me on the screen or in your Bible. We're going to talk about this, and we're going to let the Word of God remind us why we celebrate today. Early on the first day of the week, so this would be now Sunday morning, and early means early. Everybody say early. early. While it was still dark. Do you guys know how early that is? Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody, did anybody see 5 o'clock this morning? Uh, we got two over here. Anybody else see 5 o'clock this morning? Uh, we got a couple over here. Who you give me five? Six, 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 six. Go to the seven. Who gave me? Six? Yes. Okay. So you may have seen five o'clock. It's dark. Okay. The women are anxious to get to the tomb because the Sabbath is over, and the Sabbath ends at dusk with this daybreak. So we know that this time is around five to five thirty in the morning, because Sabbath is over, and now they can work. Now they can do something. Saturday. They couldn't do anything. Now they can do something. So early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, which who seven demons came out of, I'll remind us. Divas, Jesus delivered her from seven demons. Went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, which was John, outran Peter. So John was in a whole lot better shape than Peter. He had ate, ate less fish. And Peter, and he, he outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in, in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. What did he believe? No. He believed they had taken the body. Because the next verse says, they did, still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They still hadn't gotten it. He had told them he was going to die and rise. Any of us slow in getting some of God's promises? Anybody out there where God's told you this and you still don't believe it sometimes? You think, how could they? Well, on this side of the cross, we understand because we know the whole story. They didn't know the whole story. So they didn't understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. I'm not making funny, but they were crying. They were crying. What are they believing? The body has been stolen. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? He first calls her woman. Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Not woman, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and he told me that he had said these things to her. Now let's look at what the Jesus, uh, Jesus does a little later. So in verse 19, on the evening, everybody say evening. So morning and evening are two different times, right? So just imagine if you were a disciple, Mary Magdalene comes back to you and says, dude, he talked to me and this is what he said. What would you think about that, Garrett? Yeah, right, sure. What you smoking, right? <laughs> and so the disciples have went all day going, what? No way. And now they come, Jesus comes to them in the evening on the first day of the week. And when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I've always been amazed at why he said that first, but hey, probably because they were scared. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow. Let's keep going. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, hey, dude, guess what? We've seen the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Ouch. Everybody say a week later. A week later. Next Sunday. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed, which is us. Blessed are us. We've not seen him, but we believe. Amen. Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, 
and but by believing you may have life in his name now joseph of arimathea a pharisee believed nicodemus a pharisee of the sanhedrin believed and they buried our lord skeptics turned into believers the disciples struggled believing but then they seen jesus and they seen him resurrected and they believed the women saw jesus resurrected and believed his disciples the many people who saw jesus christ after his resurrection they seen and they believed and my question to us today is do we believe we go through this religious life of ours and do we really believe that jesus is the messiah do we believe that he raised from the dead do you believe history do you believe the word of god the word of god is being attacked in our culture so heavily they're trying to discredit the the, the authenticity of the word of god and many christians are going yeah that don't make sense and there's a conflict here and they they they, they begin to wrestle with the word of god the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. And there are also other history books, Josephus, Aramaeth. There are other people who wrote about the resurrection who are non-Christians that placed it within the history books. It's not just a Bible fact. Now here's where I want to take us today. As we're all here, this is our faith. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved <laughs> for it is with your mouth or if, excuse me for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and that word justified is just as if you'd never sinned and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So what I felt like the Lord wanted us to do today is I believe he wants us all as a church family to make some declarations today about our belief. I believe he wants us to use our mouth to confess him as Lord today. I believe he wants us to believe in our heart. He's calling us, he's asking, do you believe that he is the son of the living God and do you believe he raised from the dead? If you don't believe he raised from the dead, your faith is futile. And I know teenagers, you're here today too. Some of you are being bombarded with the ways of this world and the cares of this life and some of you are struggling with your belief in Jesus Christ. And I'm challenging you and as teenagers and as young people, it is time to declare your faith in Christ publicly. So if you would stand up with me today. We're going to do this together as a church family. And if here's where I really want to encourage you. 
maybe some of you here today, maybe you've not made a confession of Christ. This would be a great time for you to join with us. Here in a moment, the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing a song and we're going to celebrate with this. And, um, but I'm going to pray first right now. So if you would just close your eyes with me. And I want to encourage you today to, to make a confession. And here's what I want to say. Loud with your mouth. Everybody say loud with my mouth. Loud with my mouth. There is a confession that we need to make about the Lordship of Christ today. If you're here today and you don't want to do it, hey, we are not pressuring you to do it. You feel free to just be quiet there. But I believe the Spirit of God's dealing with your heart. I think there's some people here, maybe you've been away from the Lord, and you need to recommit your life to Christ. And by doing this with us today, you are declaring your allegiance to Christ. You're declaring your belief in Christ. You're declaring his, his, the belief that he raised Christ from the dead. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to make a declaration, and you're going to repeat it after me, and you can say it as loud as you want. Amen? Are you guys ready for this? I declare with my mouth, I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Lord. Again, I declare with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe God raised him from the dead. And I confess my, with my mouth my belief in this. I am saved. I am a believer. I will never be put to shame. And I have been freed through Christ's resurrection. And I will follow him. I will follow him. I will follow Christ. I will follow Christ. Amen and amen.